Talk Zone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. We do welcome you to the Two Guys and a Mike Show. Thank you so much for joining us already Wednesday, the week flying by. It's amazing when you have Monday off, how quickly the midweek hump day, if you will, comes across. But that is the case. we got lots to talk about sports and more here in the Two Guys and a Mike Show. TalkZone.com, the big dog, and the coach at your service. And, of course, the award-winning music here at the TalkZone.com. Enjoy for the next 4.75 seconds. was actually a little bit more than 4.75, but, you know, the music was so good we had to let it, let it roll a little bit. We're expecting a uh, check-in from the Big Dome, but uh, as per always, our phone lines will be open if you want to check in. Again, sports and more here on the Two Guys at a Mike Show. A lot of baseball talk today. We'll, we didn't really get into the old Jim Trestle, Ohio State University situation and a resignation. I ran into a bunch of people last night at an awards banquet, including uh, like two or three kids that are going. To the University of Michigan, and boy, talk about some venom being uh, slathered around a little bit. University of Michigan people, not exactly a very humanistic when it comes to their approach of the downfall of the Ohio State football program, or at least the temporary downfall. They were uh, smiles on their faces. They weren't even trying to hide the smiles. We're the big blue alumni. Uh, 888-463-6748, your conduit to Sports Talk Conversation Baseball. Again, we'll talk about the Jim Trestle situation. We'll sneak peek at the French Open. We had the uh, Game 1 of the NBA Finals yesterday. Miami Heat win the opener. The NHL Stanley Cup Championship. Anybody outside of Vancouver and Boston watching want to comment on it? We are, uh, me and the big dog, both self-proclaimed hockey experts here on the show, even though I only watch a couple of games per season. All right, without further ado, let me uh, welcome in my partner, checking in via the telecommunicative phone lines out in beautiful Aurora, Illinois, and I'm telling you. Aurora, absolutely lovely this time of year. It's my good friend, the big dog, Joel Redwanski. Big dog, how are you? Coach, you kid, but you really don't know what it's like if you walk up and down the river walk here in Aurora. Absolutely. Uh, unbelievable. Phenomenal. Oh, Monday night was just absolutely gorgeous out here. Mm-hmm. That, that's why I didn't do the show until I'm not exactly sure what time. What, I guess, uh, morning. Is that the Fox River up there? Well, we've got a couple. Okay. We've got like uh, I know it's not the Illinois, but there's like there's a Fox River and there's another river really close. There's like two rivers that connect in Aurora. So, mm-hmm. all right. No, no, no. I was not being uh, fastidious at all, facetious at all when I said beautiful Aurora is beautiful this time of year. In fact, the weather in Chicago today, just about every town in Chicago and the near suburbs is absolutely beautiful. Speaking of which, by the way, a little controversy going on in the city you so dearly love, Big Dog, and maybe we got some listeners who live in other cities that have experienced this uh, little quandary that's going on, but uh, our fine congressmen and aldermen and governmental agencies seem to want to, it was a close vote, but want to bring gambling finally to the city of Chicago. All it requires now is the penned signature of uh, fine Governor Patrick Quinn. Your thoughts on gambling in the city you so dearly love? Well, now it's just going to be the, the Chicago look like just somebody else looking for a cash grab because it's not like they can actually corner a piece of the market. Mm-hmm. Do, do, you know what I, do you know what I mean? All I can say is if that happens, 
the Aurora Casino. The well, I don't know how much the Aurora Casino would be affected. It would be just slightly. But are you kidding me? The the ones in uh, East Chicago and Gary and in, in, in Indiana. Mm-hmm. You don't want to go to Gary if you can go to Chicago and it's another 20, 20 minutes. Or you don't have. You don't even have to go through, Gary. You can just stop at Chicago. So the mm-hmm. Indiana ones are going to be hurt big time, Coach. Okay, there is that aspect of it. You uh, being the humanistic individual you are, the first thought you think of is how it would affect some of the outskirt uh, gambling casinos and, of course, the employees that work there and everything. That's very altruistic of yourself. But what about the, the, the city that you work in, Big Dog, the city that you love so dearly? How would it affect... The great city of Chicago. Do you think, think it would? It, does, it doesn't affect it at all, Coach. You know, if you're talking about, oh, all of a sudden there's gambling in the city of Chicago, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden we have something to worry about. You, you know how many cities right around the city of Chicago have gambling? Mm-hmm. That's like that's like somebody saying, well, we don't have gun problems in the city of Chicago because guns are illegal. No, we have the most gun murders in the world in our city, mm-hmm. and they're not legal here. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, whether we have a casino in here or not, if you want to go gambling, then you can go gambling. It's funny, Coach, because the first thing that I thought of, and you're asking me how would it affect the city, yep. is the first thing I thought of is, like, what's going to be the big deal? You won't be able to bet on sporting events there, so what difference is it going to be? If they don't allow sports gambling, it will have zero effect mm-hmm. on, like, the morals and and all the other crap that you're talking about in the city. I'm so. not sure I totally agree with that. Producer extraordinaire David Olson appears to have either a slight twitch or a thought. On gambling in the city of Chicago. I hope it's not a rash. Well, it it, it, <laughs> it might not be exactly the same kind of comparison, but um, I remember when they put the casinos in Joliet back in the early 90s. Yep. And that town transformed in a matter of years. It was like a dump, and they cleaned up like the majority of the downtown area and mm-hmm. the surrounding areas in a, in a, ma- in a matter of years. It mm-hmm. just transformed. And you're, you're, you're exactly right, because the Auroras, the Joliets, the Garys didn't have anything in the, to go there for whatsoever. What are you going to do, Watch a, go to Mishka's and watch a Joliet Catholic football game on a Friday night? Other than that, what else is, what else is there to do? So, you know, no, no, no knocking Joliet, Dave. Mm-hmm. But, Coach, I... I what difference is it going to be? Oh, there's going to be uh, a bunch of people going for a cash grab and a bunch of aldermen and mayors getting uh, a shady deal under the table to make sure that those people get a piece of the casino. Mm-hmm. That's no different than what's been around in the city of Chicago. And uh, if you think all of a sudden people are like, oh, no, we have a casino here. Now I won't be able to control myself and gamble all the time. These people have the ability to go get in a, get in a car and drive 30 minutes to go to a, a casino mm-hmm. whatever they want to. So it's not it's not going to make any difference unless they do some something different and allow some other form of gambling there or something. Interesting. 888-463-6748. We got any fine folks in the city of Chicago thoughts on that and uh, certainly people living in other cities if you've experienced it maybe it's uh, come across the board in your particular city maybe you've got it in your particular town. Uh, feel free to give us a call too. It's a issue on the docket right here in the city of Chicago. Big dog, I would argue, you know, David brings up the example of Joliet, how it cleaned up the city and made it, you know, fresh and a completely different look, and it built up the, you know, not only the exterior, but the inner morale of the city. Well, already one of the great strengths of the city of Chicago, it's a beautiful city, clean, and, you know, very sharp, and that, we got a lot of problems. But that's the least of our problem. That's one of the strengths. So are you not worried that maybe bringing boats in and the gambling will affect what uh, already is, is tremendous, both inner and outer beauty in, in the city of Chicago? 
Absolutely not. What, what are you talking about? Be like, all of a sudden people are going to be throwing trash into the river or putting a casino up, but it'll be an eyesore. I mean, what, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. Yeah, beauty yeah, I, I, guess... I, don't, I have no idea. What's your point? Well, the point is you've already got a beautiful city. Aren't you going to be cheapening it possibly? Uh... Oh, is he going in that direction? Yeah. Yeah, that's, to be honest with you, the, I don't see it as cheapening it. I just like, why now? Mm-hmm. It's just, it's just, it's tacky. If you would have done it 25 years ago, mm-hmm. I, I understand it. So I don't understand why all of a sudden, oh, gambling is going to be the, the, the cure to all the problems. Mm-hmm. How about quit handing out deals to your friends when you're in, when you're in office? How about that? That'd be well, an yeah. easy way to straighten uh, things out governmental-wise. That is a whole, Cook County. whole other issue. And that's one of the uh, arguments against it, quite frankly, is a lot of the people think that the, uh, you know, the aldermen of the city in the tremendous financial crisis that the city is in now, uh, and of course we have a new mayor, that they're going to use this as an excuse not to do the tough cutbacks, not to do the tough budget cuts, not to uh, really dig in and find out where the wasted spending is, you know, what really should be done, and instead go the easy way out and bring gambling to the city of Chicago and bring a windfall of money. So there's that thought process, too, which is probably, at the very least, a lot of truth to it, a little bit of truth to it. Oh, no, no, there, there absolutely is. It's the easy way out. Yes. There's, there's not a, a little bit of truth to that. There's a lot of truth to that. Mm-hmm. Oh, you can't solve your financial problems in your community? Open a casino. Yep. See, that, that's the problem that I have with it, Coach. Chicago's too big of a city and too great of a city to all of a sudden turn into, oh, is New Orleans known for its gambling boats? No, it's known for, uh, uh, what do you call it, uh, Creole food and mm-hmm. what's that area? The, the Bourbon food, Street. Bourbon Street. Yep. Say, it's not known for, you know, all of a sudden the Windy City is going to be, oh, wow, there's, there's people gamble. You can gamble there now. No crap like you can in about 34 other, other 50 states in America mm-hmm. you know, and major cities. So. Uh, that's what it looks like to me is just a cash grab. Well, we we can't figure our way out. We don't want to uh, we don't want to make less money, and plus we can really make a bunch of money by mm-hmm. gre- having people grease us to make okay. sure they get in on the deal. But you're okay. it sounds like you're okay with that. No, no, no. Well, it's going to go up, coach. Is all I know. If they decide they want to do a casino, but. I didn't understand what you were well, talking about. Well, all right, let me ask you this. It won't be as beautiful. I didn't know what the heck you were talking about. If you were the governor right now, and quite frankly, I think you'd make a heck of a governor, by the way. You'd be a little bit outside the box. But considering our last two governors, one of them's in jail and the other one is about to go to jail and he's on trial, I quite frankly, I think it's uh, not that far of a stretch to think of you as the potential next governor. But if you were in the place of Patrick Quinn right now, do you... uh Take out the ballpoint pen, put the Radwanski signature on there, or do you hold back a little bit and say, whoa, just a minute, fellas, let's take another look? Uh, it, it all depends on what type of casino they're going to put in there. <laughs> Honestly, this, the coach, coach, this might sound silly. Yes. This, this might sound silly, but I would want them to build, like, a totally self-sufficient, sustainable building. I think if I'm going to put Illinois taxpayer money in it, mm-hmm. we're going to put build any type of money revenue generating building that we build. It's going to be uh, 100% uh, self-sufficient, mm-hmm. solar energy, wind, whatever it takes. It gets its own water, all that stuff. So basically, it the doesn't big, cost you anything to run it after you open it. The big dog would sign on the casino as long as it's green. If yes. it's energy efficient, damn it, we're going to we're going to sign it. David Olson, long time. Uh, I'm not going to say gambler, long time non-gambler, man who hates paradise like nobody I've ever seen. Yes, David. 
Well, it, it's not the casino that's going to impact things. Don't forget the second part of the bill is the slot machines at the airports yeah. and the racetracks. Oh, that's so. I so mean, now, now that's where you're really going to see it is going through Midway and O'Hare. The current bill that's out there has, like, very little limitations, right? Oh, yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, people so could open. You're going to have those banks of slot machines hauled mm-hmm. through the airport just like in Vegas. Oof, boy. You're going to see a little... I can care. I won't even put a. I won't put a dollar into one of those things. I'll just laugh yeah. as, as I see people that think that they you, can, you know, like uh, luck their way into a living instead yeah. of actually earn one. Big Dog says that now. Next time he's got a three-hour flight delay on your trip to uh, Do You Know the Way to San Jose, I uh-huh. guarantee you'll be twenty twenty-five bucks lighter. How many How many trips to Vegas do you think I've been to in my life, Coach? Well, but now <laughs> if they put cause zero, if they I put no zero. The, the point is, I've gone to casinos with my boys. Throwing down a couple hundred dollars, won a couple bets, and walked away, and they <laughs> gambled for like three hours. Uh-huh. I don't. I'm not a gambler like that. Now, when it comes to betting on football, I had to stop. I had to stop. But okay. no, I'm not one of. The, I know you put you. You just throw away money when you put it right in the in yep. the coin side. I've spent about ten dollars on uh, what do you call it? Uh, those scratch and win things in Illinois. Mm-hmm. Lottery tickets. I've been uh, twenty years. I've been <laughs> eligible to buy those things. Yep. I, I, I have not spent more than fifty cents a year on those things. Mm-hmm. So it, no, I'm not. I don't. Don't put me in the category of somebody okay. that everybody else is doing it. I'm going to do it. No, okay. no. That's, I laugh at those people. Okay. Look at all these people who rather throw their money away than work for it. Even know? with a uh, two and a half hour delay in your flight to Nashville, Tennessee, you're all good at O'Hare no, no, Airport. No, I've got my own demons, Coach. I'll be at the okay. I'll be at the the bar spending about 150 dollars <laughs> on bourbon. Okay, so I didn't say I didn't have issues or I was perfect. So uh, I just. It's like the old, you know. I yeah. If I'm going to throw my money away, instead of throwing it in, I'm going to throw uh, it into a, a what do you call it, a cash register at a bar. <laughs> Reminds me of the old the the White Owl cigar commercial where the guy looks at the screen and he goes, "We're going to get you. You know, we're going to get you somehow, big dog. Whatever vice it might be, they're going to get you. Oh, you that, know, oh, that's, we're going to get you. But you know, you talk oh, about this, gambling. They build you up in this country to believe that <laughs> the country you, you have to trust the government because they can do everything right. Uh, by the way, anybody can be president, which all of a sudden now you can be after Obama won the election. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, trust you can just throw you can throw fifty dollars away a month on trying to become a millionaire when you have a one in a trillion chance to do it. And the government—it's unbelievable. Well, but they, mm-hmm. it's like they tell you, oh, you got to eat and live this way, and then all of a sudden, guess what? They have all these food products and drug products to, yeah. to get you sick and cure you. Well, uh, uh, people and- need to look at this like outside the box. Why? Why do we need to put a casino up in the city of Chicago? Because these guys have been bungling for years and wasted all our money in the first place. Mm-hmm. So, but again, that that's another argument against bringing gambling to the fine city of Chicago is, yeah, it's going to help with our budget windfall or uh, downfall, whatever the fall you want to call it, disaster. It will help in that uh-huh. situation. But, you know, where's the money going to come from? I think someone in the newspaper today has, worded it very correctly when he said, hey, in gambling, the house always wins, and in this case, the government is the house, and what's the term for the people that always lose? Um, you got the house and the... Well... The, the mark. All right, whatever that term is, that term stands for people lose money, so it's going to be the fine people of the city of Chicago that will be donating that money, will be losing that money, and often, Big Dog, as you well know, in gambling, it's the people that can least afford to lose it yeah. that, in fact, lose it. So, yeah, that, that's yeah. exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. Like The fact that the, like the, the grand scheme is, hey, we don't want to lose uh, tourists, so as long as we have a, uh, what do you call, a, casino, a great one great casino here, 
people that might want to go somewhere else because they have a casino will stay here and they'll listen to the wife so they can shop down Michigan Avenue. Mm-hmm. You know, it's one of those things. So, oh, so it, it won't be Illinois people or Chicago people losing their money. Who cares? Who cares? I don't want people coming to Chicago, lose 10 grand, and all of a sudden hate Chicago forever. Mm-hmm. But I remember that time I went to Chicago. It totally sucked. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't want people with that taste in their mouth. And getting back to me being the governor of Illinois, coach. Yes. I, I think I have a great motto that could get me elected. Okay. I hate prison sex. Interesting. Because at least that's the way they know I will be honest. <laughs> I won't be corrupt. I, yeah, I wasn't sure where you were going with that at first, but I, I got you now. I got you. That's that not bad. Stay out of prison. That's He's not young. bad. Yeah. Uh huh. On the you know on the initial hit, it didn't go with me, but uh, on the rebound, that's pretty strong. That's pretty strong. I like that. Yeah. Normally, you want those catchphrases to really hit you at the beginning, but sometimes the mm-hmm. ones that you have to marinate a little bit before they sink in, mm-hmm. you can get that uh-huh. aha moment. I'll be your campaign manager, and uh, my motto will be, eh, "What doesn't hurt you won't kill you." Thank you very much. <laughs> Oh, goodness. All right. Well, so uh, Governor Radwanski, we will see if you would. Uh, it sounds like you would sign, but maybe put some limitations on to, uh, on it. Uh, no, no. I, I, by the way, I, I, I'm the one that always complains about the fact that everybody's trying to put rules and laws and add something on. They see something wrong and they react. Oh, we got to change everything. Oh, change it, change it. Uh, you know, you really put me on the spot there because I really have to look at yes. the whole uh, the mm-hmm. whole project. But limitations or, oh, you got to do guidelines. And no, 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 no. I would just, the only thing I would make sure is that 100% of the money went where 100% of the money went. Mm-hmm. No limits or guidelines or that would be my only concern because I, I really don't think that all these casinos, weren't these casinos supposed to solve Illinois' problems uh, 20 years ago, Coach? Mm-hmm. 15 years ago? Oh, yeah, that's been, it's been, ago, it's they, been proposed. They, yeah. they still haven't. Yep. You know why they haven't? Because the money hasn't been accounted for. No matter what all these people say. It's a cash business. It's very easy to have a hundred thousand walk out of a of account room very easily, especially when the the people that are accounting are the people in charge. Now that would never happen in the fine city of Chicago, big dog. Shame on you. Shame on you, my excuse friend. Excuse me, excuse me, Sal. You didn't have that big bag when you walked into the account room. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I got I got to go. I got I got no time. Okay, Sal. <laughs> it's a nice car you bought the last three days. You know, I mean, I don't know how much longer the, the the citizens of this state and this county and this city have to keep on getting screwed over before they get upset about it. Mm-hmm. But that's the only stipulation I would have is could we legitimately do this legitimately <clears throat> for the first time in Chicago history? I mean, the brokers have been running this city since uh, they ran into the Indians in 1637, Coach. Mm-hmm. So, and that's no joke. So, well, now that we have Mayor Rahm Emanuel running the oh, show, no, I'm sure the old... Fine. Oh, no. no more graft anymore. Things will change. The old oh, cronyism is out the fine. door. Everything's going to be fine. we got a career politician out of Chicago running mm-hmm. the whole... We're fine now. We will have a separate gambling commission, separate from the aldermanic governmental oh, situation oh, yeah, that's that even is... better. That's yeah, even yes, another commission to have another line of graft yeah. that people can put their hands in the pot. Yeah. That's a great idea, and Coach. I would like, I'd like to announce the new head of our gambling commission. His name is Bob Emanuel, also known as Uncle Bob. <laughs> Welcome, Uncle Bob, and thank you for joining us. All right. <sighs> Enough on the gambling issue, Big Dome. we got to move along before we... 
we uh, get into baseball issues, talk about Cubs, Sox, a little baseball round them up, wrap them up, heat, magic, Jimmy Trussell and the Ohio State University program. Real quick, and, and feel free to say, uh, let us move on, but I know we did not get to uh, the big dog salute to the troops from Memorial Day weekend yesterday. You joined us a little bit late. Um, did you have any thoughts, any things you want to get to? I know you are a longtime supporter of America's well, yeah. finest military. Absolutely. As as family members that have gone off and fought, fought on, on on foreign shores and, yep. and fought for this country, as as someone who's had a bunch of best friends fight in different wars, the uh, Iraqi storm, like uh, and also uh, the the last two in Iraq and Afghanistan. Uh, one of my friends, uh, a Navy SEAL of the highest order. Uh, I don't know. I just I really have. I'm really in touch with a lot of people that are fighting for the United States as we speak, Coach. Not just like oh. Yep. My dad did it in Vietnam. Not that I'm project, I, I truly am. Uh, but honestly, to everybody, a, a definite thanks. But mm-hmm. um, to to my friends' wives and kids that have to deal with the fact that uh, their uh, their loved ones are like in Afghanistan for the last like eight months, I really feel for them, man. Seriously, coach. I mean, these these two guys that I'm talking about have like the greatest wives in the world, just for the simple fact that they don't cheat on them when they're mm-hmm. across the. Across the other side of the planet, yep. it's just just good good stuff. So, you know, we definitely have to remember the the people that have given their lives for this country, that have uh, given their lives not just on the on the battlefield, but like my dad who was a who was cranked up in the head the rest of his life after Vietnam. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's kind of like giving his life because he didn't think right after that. To be honest with you, mm-hmm. he was a great guy. But yeah, that's that's the part you know that's I mean? so often forgotten is not not only the the uh, soldiers, the young men and women that have been killed, but the ones that come back and whose lives have been changed, either injuries, physical injuries or the mental stress from the uh, from the war as well. You've, sometimes we forget about those quote-unquote injuries as well. Yeah, and, and, so, and trust me, that's the, that's the major part of the thing I want to give, but also people, don't forget about the moms that have to deal with folding those flags up when they get sent home and stuff. Think about the families that have to deal with the situation. And why are these guys sent over there? Because it's there are a couple different reasons and and none of them have anything to do with what they've done because if mm-hmm. everybody else in this country lived to the ideal of what these soldiers did we most likely wouldn't have to fight these wars the way yeah. we have coach yeah i still find it somewhat hard to believe in this day and age modern day and age with all the technology that we have and when i say we not just the united states but the human race that there still is you know like hand combat soldiers you know with guns in their hands you know, and it probably doesn't happen as often as it used to, but, you know, on the attack against soldiers from the other side, you know, who are throwing grenades or got guns in their hands, too. It's just, it's hard to believe with the modern technology that that still goes on. It's even harder to believe that people actually are willing to put themselves and risk that situation. We watch TV so much. We see movies. We're so media conscious. I've mentioned this before, Big Dog. I think uh, we really have to, it's almost like when we see it, it's like we're watching a movie, and we have to really get it in our mindset that those are real, actual people. I mean, I just couldn't imagine myself, not even close, in that kind of situation. But there are fine human beings willing to risk uh, risk everything for, you know, again, the safety and for their uh, country, in this case, America. And I'm not just crediting American soldiers. I'm crediting soldiers fighting for good causes for any country. I think sometimes we get too, uh, you know, Proud to be an American. It's it's soldiers that are fighting for a good cause, whatever their country might be. You know, I, I don't think you should be surprised that there's still a lot of hand to hand combat and all that. Because I would have to no. say, 
only about a third of the world's populace live in a country that is technologically advanced enough to have their military do stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Maybe even less, okay? I mean, India has a very, very unsophisticated uh, army, but they do have a nuclear bomb. Explain that one to me, Coach. I have no idea. <laughs> These guys have got bayonets at the end of their one-shot rifle. What country is that? India. I think that's because they put a casino in. Oh, is that what it is? Yep. Okay, that extra money was that, good. There you go. Uh, Coach, uh, quite <laughs> honestly, you want to know why we're still fighting as a society? 90% of our fights are because uh, in the world right now are because yeah. of the uh, Islamist fundamentalists. And mm -hmm. if you don't like me saying that and pointing it out, uh, I hate to tell you, but it's true. And if well, you think, if, you, if it's true. Think about well, I, I thought you were going to say religions. I don't know no, if no, I, no, no, I don't no. know if I'd pick it's, out it's, one particular religion. Okay, well, as, as soon well, as listen, the Zionists have done a lot of stupid stuff for that have really put a black eye on Jews. Of course, we don't hear as much about it because the Jews do they do control the media. Okay, and there've been a lot of stupid right wing Christian and even left wing Christian people that just do stupid stuff in the United States and all around the world. Okay, but. When you think about what the Islamist fundamentalists have done over the last 100 years, it's really sickening. It's 100 times more than what those other two groups I talked about combined. Mm -hmm. Okay, just think about the country of Indonesia. Okay, it's a, it's a Buddhist country. Buddhism is basically like, I will think the way I will, you think the way you will, yep. let's be good to each other, sing, everything is fine. Hold well, hands, sing a little kumbaya, and all is good. A bunch of Muslims come in, they say, hey, why don't you become a Muslim? No, you think the way you want to think, we'll think the way you want to think. Here's the point of a gun. We'll kill you if you don't become a Muslim. Okay. Fifty years later, it's the largest Muslim country in the world. Hmm. And now we're, we're in legitimately half the terrorists in the world. Everybody's talking about Afghanistan and Iraq. Mm -hmm. They're coming from Indonesia. Big. That's the people. It, it cracks me up. It's like people forget how widespread this war is and how, and how crazy it is. I know you You don't like a coach. I don't want to be at war either, but I don't want somebody to kill me just because I want to believe what I want to believe and could care less what you think. Big Dog okay. putting a rather uh, ugly picture of uh, Islamic fundamentalism. I believe that's what you called it. If we... not, just, not, the, not, the, not Islam. Fundamentalist. Big difference. Okay. Like, I'm going to kill you because you're yes. not Muslim. Yeah. If we have any Islamic fundamentalists out there that would like to... Uh, uh, backlash against the big dog. I'm not going to give out his home address because we hope that the big dog will be joining us on tomorrow's show. But if you'd like to call us in repertoire a little bit, we could do that. 888-463-6748. As you know, big dog, one of the advantages of doing a show over the internet, talkzone.com, your number one source for internet talk shows, is that we, uh, we can plug out via the internet your voice, your opinions being heard right now, probably by at least 20 or 30, uh, Islamic fundamentalists who are also sports fans, by the way. I want to know how the Heat beat the uh, Mavericks last night. Uh, I'm going to tell you this straight up, Coach. I won't watch a I won't watch a second of that playoff series. The only play I watched was when Cloudy started screaming upstairs about how Jason Terry, like when he missed the Duncan and landed awkwardly. Do you know what I'm talking about? The play. Yep. The only play of the game I saw it wasn't even a converted field goal. And he was he was hollering for a foul in that situation. Uh, yeah, he yeah. got one. He got one. And that's, that's the only play I watched, so I really can't tell you at all about the game. And I just note to the NBA, if Miami is involved in the finals, I won't watch a second of it. Mm -hmm. Just just a note. I, I can't do Interesting. But I love Dwayne Wade and can't stand anybody else on that team. Interesting. I, I talked to a guy out at the uh, high school baseball field yesterday. The conversation came up about the basketball. He was very negative towards the uh, whole. He hardly watched any of the Bulls Heat series. And I think his comment, and I think you can appreciate that, he goes, I'm not going to get caught up in that dog and pony show. 
That's uh, thank you, Coach. Yeah, I <laughs> thought. Hey, well, don't thank me. Thank him. He summed it up pretty well. W- watching the stuff, like I can't even watch ESPN right now. I watch ESPN mm-hmm. as uh, all of a sudden LeBron James is Michael Jordan. You know, all this other crap that's going on. I can't. I can't watch it. Mm-hmm. Coach. I can't. Okay. All right. Well, <laughs> we fun Dirk. I can watch the and- stuff on Dirk. You know, a, a quiet guy. All it does is shoot a thousand jump shots an hour. Okay, mm-hmm. when you know, I mean, that kind of stuff. You know, I love that story. Uh-huh. The rest of it. Well, in case there are any Islamic fundamentalists listening to the show, let us just mention the Miami Heat did win game one, 92 to 84. By the way, I definitely, I found out, uh, well, I didn't, I didn't need this as confirmation, uh, but I found out there's no way I could be any kind of a good soldier, big dog, for the same reason I was not a good baseball player, fear of getting hit. It'd be the same thing as a soldier. I went to the memorial, local Memorial Day parade. And they had the, uh, at the end of the speeches, what do they call it? The 21-gun salute or whatever? Yeah. By the, yeah. Scared the heck out of me. I mean, I was I was diving behind the closest bush I could, me and like two 13-year-old kids from the uh, Maple School Junior High Band. So I don't think I would have done well in combat, my friend. Uh, Coach, yeah, I, I, I really, I would not want to be in a foxhole next to you. No. And I'm not about to say... I would have been a great soldier mm-hmm. because once you get shot at, it's totally different. I like that you would admit that you wouldn't be a good shoulder, yep. soldier firsthand. No. I think I could have done it, though. I really think mm-hmm. I could have, but I'm not going to be like, I mean, my dad did it. I, I wasn't, I'm really not afraid of much, but mm-hmm. then again, I haven't been shot at. So that's totally, totally different. The people like freak out, like the toughest guys in the world, they get, uh, I, I forget exactly what they call it, but, uh, like shell shocked or whatever, and then they can't do anything. All of a sudden, they get shot at, and all of a sudden, they freeze up, and they're useless. In in combat, yes. Despite all the training, when you get to the real thing, it can happen absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure training, you know, you know, they put you in as real a situations as possible, but still, the real thing is uh, is is a lot different, no question. But I'd, what I'd like to see is for future wars, and I've said this before. I think before we decide to send troops, and again, this could apply to any country, not just America, if you deem it worthy and necessary enough to send live troops into battle, then you must send at least two of your family members. Your sons must go. Okay? Coach, I, I could not agree with that more. The only people that could vote, the only senators that could vote on it were ones that actually mm-hmm. could have people sent. Yes. That would really, or if you have gone to war, if you served your time, I mm-hmm. think you have the ability to be like you. Yep. Yeah, but, and if you could say, oh, that's, that's, people are war mongers when they go to war. Dwight D. Eisenhower did whatever it took to keep us out of war. Because he knew the trials. He knew the cost of what it meant to go to war. Mm-hmm. And you know what I mean? So typically those are the people that are most likely to keep us out of a combat situation and mm-hmm. less likely to put us in one, honestly. Absolutely. Yeah. George Bush back in the day before, uh, W. Before sending uh, troops into Iraq, he would have to agree, hey, Laura, not Laura, uh, Barbara, and what's the other daughter's name? No, it's Jenna. Jenna and uh, and who? It's Jenna and Barbara. Jenna and Barbara. My two daughters will, not some cushy job either, they will go into combat as well. I'm sending my two daughters. Then I think the American people, and again, this could apply to any other country. If, uh, you know, Assad from Syria wants to send troops over, well, you know, fine. You know, put three or four of his sons in uniform and put them on the front lines if it's that important. He's Assad from Syria, and he can actually vote and send people there. He's got at least 40 sons, Coach. I think it's 27. 27. <laughs> he had a bad generation. I think that was his dad. 
Yeah, that okay. dude. That dude. Okay. He was supposed to be a friend to. Oh, I don't want to get into the whole Syrian thing. We got Islamic fundamentalists out there that want to get to our baseball, round them up, and wrap them up, big dog. Eight 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 four six three sixty seven forty eight. That's the phone number. We'll take calls from anybody, any religion, as long as you have a little bit of resiliency and a little bit of openness here. The big dog and the coach. We are user friendly sports talk radio. David Olson, our producer. Other side of the glass, big dog. If we can transition from. Gambling in the city of Chicago and our salute to the troops. Well done once again, by the way, uh, to the baseball world. I don't know how we make that transition, but we need to do it. Well, uh, uh, baseball does a great job of honoring uh, and, and making Memorial Day a huge mm-hmm. day in baseball. Yes. And Memorial Day is a huge day in baseball because if you look at who's in first place on Memorial Day, that's the first gauge of, of being good. It's basically one-third of the season. Mm-hmm. And, and Coach, I, I do want to go back because you asked me to predict the six division winners. And I had I had the Red Sox in first place. They're in first place. Okay, let me see. I had uh, I had the A's in first place. They're a half game out. Yeah, as is everybody in the American League West. Those teams are bunched closer than uh, double-stuffed Oreo cookie. Yeah, absolutely, Coach. They are. And, and the Rangers haven't fallen off the table like I kind of thought they might. Mm-hmm. Their offense is just it's so good. Uh, in, in the Central, I had the White Sox. Okay, I, I was wrong, and everybody else was wrong on that. But, you know, the Tigers can still come back on the Indians. We'll see what's going to happen there. Now, in the National League, I had the Phillies. I had uh, the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. And if you remember right, I, I said in the National League West, the Arizona Diamondbacks are the surprise team in the National wow. League. Wow, good pick. Good you remember pick. Me that? You were like, the Diamondbacks, they're horrible. Yep. And I said, Coach, they got rid of all seven guys in their bullpen and replace them all with somebody better. And I said, it's going to have an effect on this team. And that's the difference, Coach. It's the same exact team, except they have a brand-new bullpen. Yeah, I thought, they were gonna, I thought they were going to be very nondescript this year, but uh, they lead the National League West. They're on a roll of late. Did you see the game? Now, Kelly Johnson hit a home run yesterday. I think they lost yesterday. But did you see the game Kelly Johnson had two days ago? Oh, uh, he was... A single short of the cycle with two home runs. Two home runs, a triple and a double, all in one. Basically, out hit Aramis Ramirez, a number four hitter, the entire season, power numbers in one game. Yes, and then the next day, Justin Upton went five for five, had two home runs that were over 900 feet total. He had 900 feet of home (laughs) run in a ball game. Okay. Uh, that's that's big time, Coach. Did, did you, he he actually had a ball land on the table where somebody was eating at the Friday's <laughs> restaurant in Arizona. Wow! At Chase Field, I'm not. I didn't make it up. They have a they have a Friday's up there and mm-hmm. landed on the table that somebody was at. It was it was hilarious because the woman didn't know and like the guy heard something. He looked up at the big screen. And they saw it coming. It was hilarious. <laughs> like the woman didn't have any idea. And the guy was looking at the screen and the ball lands on the table. Down go the onion rings. <laughs> oh, goodness. Now, uh, Jason Upton, is he a direct relative of any kind of uh, stature to B.J. Upton? Yes, they're brothers. There you uh, go. He's uh, B.J.'s little brother. How about and that? B.J. Upton is uh, the Paul Blair version 2011. Except he's got a little more power. Mm-hmm. Long-time fan of Paul Blair, by the way. Yeah, that guy, basically, he's a defensive center fielder. That's all he does. Mm-hmm. But he does hit a, he hits a home run, like, you know, once every two weeks or so. Yeah, Paul Blair could hit a, what I would call a significant 260 every year. Oh, a hard yeah. 260. Oh, there's nothing yeah. wrong with that. B.J. Upton hits a soft 
250. Okay. That's the difference. He is not an offensive player whatsoever. Mm-hmm. All right. White Sox knocked off Boston yesterday, 10 to 7, two runs in a row, two wins in a row for our Chai Sox, for our Chicago White Sox as they beat up on the first place Boston team, as you alluded to. The Red Sox had that brutal start, but boy, they overcame that. They're back in first place. But the White Sox win again and quietly, big deal. We say it every week. And it gains in significance every week. Quietly, Phil Umber becomes one of the great, uh, well, maybe great's called a bit too far, but one of the really nice pitching stories, success stories of this year. He was, if not brilliant, very good once again. Yeah, his ERA is below three. His, I know this is the year of the pitcher, and his uh, whip is below one. I, that's phenomenal. Those are huge numbers in any era. Help you me know, out again. What, what, what is whip? Whip is walks. Um, hit per inning pitch. Okay. So thank you. W H I E Y. I know it's it's the, it's the new significant statistics. So I just wanted to make sure I got that clear. All right, very any, good. Any, like a, like a whip below one point two is good. Below one is like ridiculous. That's it's incredible. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know, it's the, the Phil Umber's been good, coach, and 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 for these people that think, oh, it's such a surprise, blah blah blah. How is this guy doing it? He was a number one pick by the Mets only like four or five years ago. So I, I, we might be able to continue this. I mean, this might be one of those things where you, you look back and the Mets, the New York Mets, just gave up on another player again. So hopefully that's what the White Sox have. Guy was a fill-in, number five starter to begin the season. He's become, uh, well, you hate to say the ace of the White Sox, but clearly the most dependable pitcher game in and game out. He's been, uh, if not brilliant, a rock of consistency all year long, Philly Umber. Yeah, forget about the name. You just take out and look at the stat sheet and look what he does mm-hmm. every single time he goes to the mound. Like, well, considering that he goes out every time, gives uh, pitches seven in and gives up two runs. Uh, it throws about 100 pitches, and the whole time it basically does what a pitcher's supposed to do. Watching that game yesterday, uh, I just it was it was a thing of beauty, coach. To be honest with you, the way the way he pitched, and I know he got a lot of runs early, but you, that was the first time that's happened for him in a while. And you know what he did? He just attacked the strike zone when that happened, coach. Mm-hmm. Legitimately, he was attacking the strike zone after he got the big lead. And then dot dot dot, we bring in Will Ullman. Oh man! <laughs> and the game got exciting, but we still hold on a one ten to seven. Chris Sale had to come out of the bullpen and get the final strikeout against I think Adrian Gonzalez. So big win for the White Sox. Alexi Ramirez four hits. The youngsters up the middle. Gordon Beckham, big dog, starting to break out of his uh, uh, almost annual early season slump. He's starting to hit the ball. That can only mean good things for the beloved. Well, you know what? Why don't we get uh, like Omar Vizquel needs to stay on the roster next year? Mm-hmm. Okay. And he just plays second base until June first. <laughs> we take Gordon uh, Beckham off the bereavement lead because leave because finally his bats aren't dead anymore. Okay, <laughs> and then all of a sudden we play Ozzy. Well, they play uh, uh-huh. Omar Vizquel once a week for the rest of the season. It's I mean, that's, that's a pretty good plan for the White Sox next yeah, year. Instead of being eight games back, you know, six weeks into the season, we might have at least. A shot at first place by a Memorial Day, one-third of the way through the season. I like that theory. Yeah, if you figure out, ever since the White Sox have gotten rid of early win, uh, when they fired the announcer way back in the year, they can't win early in the season. Mm-hmm. So they have to shake something up, do something a little different. Who did they do, Who did they get for? Was, it, was that Rodrigo Lopez they got for early win? I forget who they traded him for. I, I forgot who they traded him for, but it was us. The fact that he was a broadcaster and they got rid of him, and then they and they got a Mexican baseball player for him, <laughs> uh, made it a good. 
It was a good deal. deal. All right. (laughs) 888-463-6740. You want to check in, talk some baseball with the big dog and the coach. You're more than welcome to do so. One-hour talk show here every Monday through Friday, 10 until 11. They only limit us to one hour, folks, so you got to get in while the getting is good. User-friendly sports talk radio. Big dog, the Chicago Cubs. I'm listening on radio last night. Finally, they got three runs in the eighth inning. I pull into my garage at the end of the eighth inning. Remembering, you know what? I got to tune in. I mean, Marmol's coming in. The Cubs just scored three. We're up three to one. Looking good. We finally get a victory. But I should, before talking to the wife and kids, just make sure I tape the ninth inning. Well, I came in, and again, you know, Pat Hughes and uh, Keith Moreland all excited talking about a big win. Marmol coming in the game. I forgot to turn on the TV, got caught up in some family activities. Turn on ESPN about three hours later, a little scroll underneath the board. Houston 7, Cubs 3. What the hell happened to Mr. Redwanski? Quite simply, Carlos Marmol's slider was not sliding. Ugh. It was, it was, uh, it, it was one of those days because we, we all know this. If you, if you watch Cub games, Carlos Marmol, Marmol's out pitch is a slider and his get him over pitch when he can't throw a strike is a slider. Do you know what I mean? Like it was 3 and 0. Oh, mm-hmm. He takes a, a little off the slider and drops it in there. But uh, yesterday, Coach, he, his fastball had so much movement on it <laughs> that he could not throw it for a strike, and it was obviously not going to be in the strike zone, so they didn't swing, and his slider didn't break at all. So they were just waiting for the slider down the middle, and they would hammer it. It was it was the most – there was nothing lucky about it. You know, sometimes a reliever comes in, and you're like, man, he pitched an inning and gave up four runs. He got shelled. And you're like, no, he broke three bats, and – a guy lost the ball in the sun, and a guy didn't hit a cutoff, man. You know what I mean? No, no, Coach. He got line drives everywhere. Mm-hmm. He got – I've never seen Marmol hit like that. It, it, it was scary. It was it was so bad that, I, that um, typically I'm like, hey, it's Carlos Marmol. You know, he saves 90% of the games. He's, but he got hit so hard that I, I'm a little worried right now. <laughs> Well, you know, timing is everything, and the timing of that particular blow. It's never good when a closer blows the game, Big Dub, but for the Cubs, that was just an absolute crusher because it's a team of very, very fragile mental state right now. Most of their veterans are on the bench. Injury, got a lot of young kids playing, and they're still trying to, you know, they, they look like a teenagers that is not sure of their confidence walking down the school halls trying to feel if they fit in or they don't. It looks like they don't fit in. This was a game maybe that, you know, maybe some girl could have asked him out on a date. Maybe the social status would have increased a little bit, would have been a big win, and they lose it in the last inning. Another painful defeat, and uh, I think the acne broke out even more for our young Chicago Cup. Yeah, it, it, it's definitely a very, very tough defeat, without mm. question, because yeah, I've said it from the beginning, this whole 2011 season for me is to find out who I want on the 2012 team, Coach. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I still want Carlos Marmol on the 2012 yeah, team. I'm, I'm glad game. to hear that uh, uh, head coach Mike Quade, manager Mike Quade, they brought up Tyler Colvin, and, and he's going to play him. So I like that. Put Tyler Colvin out in left field. Let him play for the next two, three weeks while Fanso's out. And uh, just you know, let him get 30, 40 at-bats in and see how he does. Yeah, I, I could play him every single day. Play him yep. every I agree. day. Mm-hmm. Say, hey, uh, uh, we're going we're gonna to face uh, John Lester today. He's uh, the toughest left-handed pitcher in baseball against lefties. You're in the lineup. Mm-hmm. Okay, I mean, that's that's basically what he's got to deal with. we got to find out if that kid can be an everyday player coach. To me, that's more important than uh, watching Alfonso Storiano hit one home run a week and lose three balls in the in the sun a week. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's, 
I would rather see Colton on. All right. Big hit, by the way, the three-run homer by brand-new Cub killer Hunter Pence. My goodness, he is absolutely destroying Cub hitting. Unbelievable. Uh, Hunter Pence is, yeah, he is the guy. He's he's the new Jeff Blauser coach. Where you look at his numbers and you're like, he's all right. And then they play the Cubs and he's freaking Lou Gehrig. How does this happen? <laughs> Was it Al Simmons is now in left field? I mean, the, the guy goes three for four against the Cubs with three RBIs every game. Mm-hmm. Okay, or or he goes one for four, but that was the hit that won the game. He's going to hit 280 with 20 home runs this year, and nine of the home runs will be against the Cubs. Yeah. Be careful of trading for a Cub killer, though, because we did that once with another Houston Astro. Moise Salou used to absolutely kill the Cubs. And then we finally traded for him, and he played for the Cubs, and he still killed the Cubs. So it doesn't necessarily work where yeah. you can, you know, bring in the enemy and the all of a sudden the enemy stars for you. That was that was a free agent signing. That was yeah. uh, that one didn't pan out too well, but no. he did have a couple big hits in 03, but he also had the biggest collapse in 03 when oh, mm-hmm. no, the fan made me miss the ball. <laughs> all right, real uh, quick. Uh, oh yeah, okay. Baseball round them up, wrap them up yesterday, big dog, some of the games, some of the activities out the gear again for our listening audience in particular the Islamic fundamentalists who uh despite the re- Religious, uh, you know, very structured, to be nice about it. Religious police, big dog. They're big baseball fans. Don't kid yourself. Tampa Bay knocked off Texas 5-4. to four. Evan Longorio, two-run homer in the bottom of the eight. Tampa Bay, by the way, hanging. Hanging with the Yankees and the Red Sox. Uh, I do remember that that uh, the first week of baseball season, I was like, wow, Tampa Bay looks like to, that could be one of the worst teams of my entire life. Mm-hmm. Said that a weekend, Coach. Because they had lost everybody, they had nothing but rookies, and they looked horrible. And then, and then Longoria got hurt, and they got then they looked even worse. Well, I'll, look, they're in second place. They've got a lot of good young pitching. They got a lot of guys that can catch the ball. If they can hit at all, they'll be all right. And Longoria batted lead off the last three games until yesterday, coach. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you got to love Joe Madden. You know, he legitimately, when they were struggling earlier in the year, he called up a talk show. And ask the talk show, have your callers call in and, and, and give me a good lineup. I'll go with the best one. And he did. <laughs> and they've been awesome ever since. And the lineup was totally jacked up. It was totally jacked up. Mm-hmm. Out there, and, and, like the, and I guess the players are a little peeved about it, like at first. And then he was like, hey, you guys aren't hitting. He's like, they're like, why do you hit? Like, they look like, that. oh, you're making us look amateur, having like these uh, like fans make up the lineup. Well, guess what, coach? They woke up after that. Because they're like, what, our manager's willing to embarrass us by saying we'll let the fans make the lineup up because these guys are so bad right now, mm-hmm. it won't make a difference? It's an imperfect science. The fans could probably do it as well. You know, it's like flipping a coin pretty much when you make out the lineup. There was a... I think there is a little bit of an art form to it, Coach. I really yeah. believe there's an art form Probably to it. a little bit. I hope so because they pay the managers uh, millions and millions of dollars to fill out those lineups. There was a minor league team, Big Dog, in the Chicago area or maybe a team we competed against at the minor league level that, like, for half a summer. The fans could, they had some little computer gizmo set up where the fans could plug it in, and the fans actually picked the starting lineup each and every day, or the batting order at the very least. Yeah, that was at uh, Schomburg? Possibly. I, I, uh, no, Schomburg's a little different. Schomburg had the whole, uh, the fans could, could uh, like for some reason they had like some signs that yelled pinch hit for somebody or something. I forgot what they did. <laughs> They, they were, were too cheap the, to play the players, huh? Yeah, they were letting the they were. It was it was when Ron Kittle was the manager of the Schaumburg Flyers. Uh-huh. They came up with some gimmick of the the fans were choosing <laughs> like who to pinch hit and stuff like that. Batting seventh today, 
Our lucky winner from Section 7, row number 4, seat 5. It's Bob from Bolingbrook. Bobby, come on down. You're batting 7th up for the Schaumburg Flyers today. Thanks, Bob. All right. Hey, how you doing, man? I probably should have drank that fourth beer. <laughs> All right. Seattle knocked off Baltimore yesterday. 3-2, to two, 7 of the last 8 for the Seattle Mariners. Big dog, we don't hear much about them, but they're playing some solid baseball and a contender, as is everybody in the American League West. Ichiro! Yeah, and and legitimately they are a contender, even though they have such a horrid offense coach. They've got really good defensive players on that team, and their pitching staff. Have you ever heard of a David Pauly coach? David Pauly? Yeah. I believe that's World News Tonight. Okay, that, that's Jane Pauly, and that's somebody totally different. Okay. Uh, he's got five wins, ERA below one, below two, okay, whip at point seven. They got Michael Pineda. You know they call him Prince Pineda. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, this guy, you know, he's he's 21 years old. He's the number one prospect in all of baseball right now. Wow. And legitimately, there's nobody on the Chicago Cubs that I would not trade for a kid. No one. What's his name? Michael Pineda? Michael Pineda. Wow. Six foot seven. Woo. And he throws a sinker, coach, so he gets a lot of downward action, so he puts a lot of balls in play. Wow. Oh, he throws 98 to 100, and he throws a sinker. Can he like do exactly what we want Carlos Zambrano to be like? You know, like when Zambrano was like back in the day, and we're like, man, mm-hmm. if he just throws strikes more often, he would be unhittable. Yeah, you, you haven't seen him pitch it. You got to see him pitch. Six and seven. What's that? Six seven. He's six seven. Can he? And he is the darkest dude from the Dominican that you've ever seen. Quite honestly, I think he just scares people like at night games because they can't see him. <laughs> you know, he he is. Scary looking coach. Can he defend from the perimeter and hit the 15 foot jumper? Because the Bulls could use a six foot seven inch athlete on the perimeter. Well, yeah, it, yeah, they really do need a backup to Luol Deng to get him, so we can get him some tick. Mm-hmm. Definitely like less tick, so he yeah. can be fresh in the last in the last four or five minutes of the game. Uh, and then they also got this Jason Vargas, and he's this lefty, that, a soft toss and lefty that's got one of the best ERAs in all the baseball. Oh, and then by the way, their other pitcher is a guy by the name of Felix Hernandez. Never heard of him. They might have. Everybody was talking, oh, look at the White Sox. Oh, the Phillies have the greatest rotation in the history of the game of baseball. And even I was saying it because going into the season, that's what it looked like. Definitely hasn't been during the season. The Mariners have the best rotation in the game right now. The Mariners. Mm-hmm. Coach. And it's young. <laughs> Felix Hernandez is the oldest guy in the rotation. He's right. 24. Right. Time to start paying attention to Seattle Mariner baseball. I know that's hard to do, but... Uh... If you're selling a stock, you convince me, big dog. I'm buying. Kansas City knocked off Anaheim yesterday, seven to three. The Royals have been in a royal tailspin, big dog. I think they're four and thirteen in their last seventeen games. Their closer, Joe Kimsoria, is no longer their closer. Yeah, he went into the office with his tail between the legs after yeah. blowing four consecutive stays and was like, you know, you got to take me out of this out of this spot for a while. So Aaron Crow will now take over closer duties for the Royals. Mm-hmm. Coach, you know, not to make light of it. But this off season, he said, "Quit calling me the executioner." His ERA is above seven. Well, he's got to go back to being the executioner. He's executing right now, but uh, the only problem is the team he's executing is his own team. Ouch. Did you see the way? Did you see the way he lost in uh, the Rangers game on Monday? No. Oh, it was ridiculous. He comes in there, uh, a couple bad plays by the by the defense behind him. Okay, and then with a a tie game, he's blown the save now, the one-run lead he blew mm-hmm. because of a bunch of bad defensive plays behind him. There's a ground ball to back to him on the mound. Well, not on the mound. He goes to the, towards the first baseline, picks it up, throws it to home, and the guy, uh, Yulvar Torrealba, isn't blocking home, coach. 
he lets the guy slide in underneath him. It was all he had to do was block the plate, and and and, and the, it was it was horrible. <laughs> so it was uh, it was it, it's so funny this whole week of everybody talking about should you run into the catcher, should you not, should you give him a lane to to slide, all that like this whole big discussion. Well, the catcher was totally had the ball and did not block the plate, and the guy slid right underneath him. He should have made. Mm-hmm. The, I mean, it was an easy tag, coach. It was. It was obvious that he was safe, but the catcher still argued because he was like, man, I had the ball waiting for the guy to slide in. It was pretty funny. So, Speaking of which, I don't know if you saw or not, but Billy Bean, the uh, sometimes maligned, sometimes celebrated general manager of the Oakland A's, I like what he said to his catcher, Kurt Suzuki. He said, hey, you are an athlete. We need you in the lineup. Don't be one of these idiots who stands there and blocks the plate which is what I've been saying all along. Use your athleticism, your quickness and everything, but, but you know, show the guy part of the plate. Don't take the brunt of the full force because you're going to do us no good if you're out for six, eight weeks or the rest yeah. of the season. So I like what Billy Bean said to his uh, catcher, Kurt Suzuki. That was a good move. Yeah, no, no, I, I totally agree with you there, Coach. And that's what needs to change. Everybody wants to legislate rules. Oh, we need to do this. No, no. All I know is Johnny Bench made it to the Hall of Fame by not blocking the plate, and he won some World Series as a catcher, and he's the greatest defensive catcher possibly ever in mm-hmm. the history of the game. And and Smarka Anderson was like, don't block the plate. We don't need you getting hurt. So the, I, I need a, there needs to be a change in teaching. Just kind of like I hate the legislation in football, and all of a sudden they make somebody evil when – Jerome Harrison, his whole entire, James Harrison, his whole life would just went around tackling people, and everyone was like, wow, you're a monster, and they pat him on the back, and all of a sudden they were like, oh, no, that's it's wrong, and now we're going to find you, and he's like, what? See, I understand where he's coming from. That's why I don't like rule changes. You want to change it? Teach catchers to make the tag in front of the plate and get it, and get the glove down there. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's real simple. Make a rule where, hey, if you don't have the ball, you can't block the plate. It's not that hard of a concept. And if you if have you the have ball, it, you can't block it though. And if, what you're saying. What's that? Okay, that's uh, if, if you don't have the ball, you, if you're waiting for the throw to come in, you can block part of the plate, but you must show the runner part of the plate so he can slide. If if you the, know the, uh, somebody puts it real simple, without the ball, you cannot be in foul territory. So that way, the base runner, who obviously, mm-hmm. unless they're coming right from third, but still in a way they're in foul territory because you're supposed to line up in foul territory mm-hmm. on every pitch, right? Yep. They'll have that angle. So it's as simple as that, Coach. If you don't have the ball, you cannot be in foul territory. I, I was like, well, it's as simple. That's, just, that's the only rule. That's the, that's the well, only Well, but technically, technically, you could block the plate without being in foul territory. But, but if you think about the way the plate is shaped, mm-hmm. you would still have the back end of the plate in there to get in. Okay, but but it's not. You still have the ability to get that corner in there. Mm-hmm. But at least it's uh, you can't just, you can't just line up there, put your butt on the ground like you're a, a catching Molina and catch the ball. Okay, and no matter what anybody says about Buster Posey, everyone like I'm kind of surprised about how much venom he has spewed out about this. He wasn't in the right position. <laughs> yes, he was giving the guy a little bit of the corner. But he wasn't in the right position to catch the ball. The ball goes off. He turns his ankle while mm-hmm. he's catching it, and then he gets hit. I'm and all, he blames the guy who's hitting him. Well, I, you know, I, I'm all on Buster Posey's side of this one. I'd fire some ven- out some venom, too, because, uh, you know, my season's over. Because of one play, one stupid play, my season's over, maybe part of my career. I don't know if I'm going to be the same player I was because of one stupid play. So I think he's got reason for some venom, quite frankly. But. Okay, well... Uh, I see where you're coming from because, you know, when you're a rookie, mm-hmm. you haven't got 
pay the big bucks yet. Yep. Think about it. He's in. He just made his first year of baseball because he came up right in like late May, early June of last season. So, in the in Major League Baseball, that, you're not making a lot of money, and if you can't ever play again, not only do you lose your dream, which is the most important part of being able to play baseball for a living during your you know your your middle ages, but you. Uh, you also don't have your ability the way you thought you were going to make money and, and support your family the rest mm-hmm. of your life. Uh, hey, real quick, we got an email coming in for the Big Dog from Leopard Skin Larry. Leopard Skin Larry says, please ask the Big Dog. you got about 30 seconds to do it, dog, to break down today's semifinal matchup from Roland Burris Stadium in beautiful Paris, France, as Roger Federer... <clears throat> Excuse me. Takes on Novak Djokovic. He had a 41-game win streak. What would you tell Leopard Skin Larry? About that, tennis. Uh, Keep it the tennis, on, please. I'll be, I'll be the one that says Djokovic's last name instead of the coach. Upper skin, Larry, don't you worry about it. Okay. Who wins, the, say, ma- who wins the match? Yeah, this was Roger Federer's last stand to prove he's one of the greatest <laughs> golfers of all time, if not the greatest. Golfers? If he ends the streak, even if he doesn't win at the French Open, mm-hmm. this kind of – because he's never won there. But if he can end Djokovic's streak there – I think it kind of adds to the aura, and then if he ends it, he still has a chance to win one come Sunday. So you think Federer actually has a chance to beat Djokovic? Uh, Djokovic, yes. Okay. Djokovic or Djokovic? Coach. No, Novak Djokovic. You tell, you tell Djokovic. me how to pronounce the name Falstein, I'll tell you how to pronounce the name Djokovic. Okay. <laughs> All right. Big Dog, great having you on the show today. Tomorrow we'll uh, break it down some more. Today's show was... Really geared for and sponsored in part by our good friends, the Islamic fundamentalists out there that were oh, listening yeah, to the show. Our real good friends. A real good friend. Heck yeah. Yeah, your salute to the troops was right on as always, Big Dog. Well done. And to, to all the troops out there listening to us in the foreign country, thank yes. you very much for listening. Yes. All right. Thank you, Big Dog. David Olson, our producer, tremendous job as well. We'll be back at you 10 o'clock tomorrow for. Two guys at a mic in the talkzone.com and the big dog and coach. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow at 10. Don't be late.